am Charlotte. I'm a therapist based in little old New Zealand. Life is too short to walk around feeling crap, so come and join me as we explore how to feel better. Whether feeling better for you is about managing anxiety, improving your relationships, lifting your mood, or working out who you are in this world, this is the place where I hope you will find some strategies and insights that will help you feel better. Thanks for joining me. Hello, thank you for joining me for this little recording. This is a wee experiment because uh, I have, over the last number of years, pretty consistently each week got questions from people related to some kind of mental and emotional health topic. And I've always been really willing to answer those questions. I totally get it that people uh, often don't have the resource, uh, the time, the money, the energy, whatever, to engage with a counsellor. And fully understand that, uh, particularly these days, the cost of living makes seeing a counsellor for one-to-one therapy really, really tough. And often people come to me asking questions that are actually about the beginning sort of steps of navigating an issue and they might not be up to a place of wanting some kind of individual therapy or support. So... I often find myself giving people some sort of advice uh, or some kind of tips and pointers uh, over Messenger or Instagram or wherever that is, often even making voice notes for them. Uh, And then I went, hmm, actually, these same issues are coming around and around in questions. Uh, Over the years, there is some definite consistency to the kinds of things people ask and the challenges that people face. And so I thought, hmm, why not actually pull this together into some kind of format that can be listened to as a podcast and that hopefully provides a bit of an ongoing resource for people. Also, I think that there is often in life a curiosity that we have about how to navigate issues well. We often learn things from hearing um, uh, about something in the context of one issue that might be applicable to something that you're facing or learn some kind of skills, phrases, strategies, whatever it is, in the process of an answer about an issue that we might not ourselves be experiencing. Um, but actually something in the answer can be useful to support you in something that is part of your life at the moment. So I'm hoping that this is useful for those people who are asking me the questions, but also that there might be application to others in similar situations or just things that you can learn along the way. I remember as a little girl loving reading The Agony Aunt columns in my mum's magazines. So the Woman's Day or the Women's Weekly or whatever it was, they often had this like, Dear Susie or Dear Kate, and you'd write in a little note about, you know, I think this is happening with my husband, or I'm worried about this with my child, or what do I do about this issue for myself? And um, you kind of assumed with that that there was something that the person wanted in terms of some external advice that was important to them, and perhaps they might not have been able to talk to people close to them about that issue. So um, I love the good old agony aunt concept. And so here we are with perhaps a modern day version or expression of that. Okay, I've got some questions to answer today. And the first one is about uh, addiction. What's the best way to gently confront a family member with an addiction they don't yet admit? Such a good question. I think one of the really key things is thinking about the nature of addiction and the potential reactions that you might experience from the person uh, before you engage with them. So uh, addiction is something that often people feel like they're hiding 
or perhaps they're in denial about the reality of how this thing is affecting their lives or how it is affecting other people's experience of them. Um, And there can be a lot of shame in being confronted about that addiction. Also, on a lot of levels, um, at least in the beginning, an addiction has been working for someone. It's been their friend. It's been something that essentially has been helping them in some way to get through something, to get through a difficult emotion. And you can probably imagine that if someone suddenly comes along and they are standing between this person and the behavior, the pattern, the whatever it is that they've become addicted to, uh, there is lots of space for reaction in that, and that might be frustration or anger or denial or um, emotion, embarrassment, upset, whatever it is that comes out from the person. So just trying to start from a position of being really understanding about their potential response or reaction. Something that can be really helpful to think about as well is understanding the stages of change and a quick little Google search will really help you out there. But there are some great models um, from the whole world of um, the science and study of addiction that helps explore what supports people to come to a place where they actually do want to change. And so it might be helpful for you to do a bit of reading about that. Essentially, uh, usually for people getting to a place of wanting to do something there is a real stage of uh, what's called pre-contemplation where they're thinking about thinking about it and then a stage of contemplation where they're properly kind of starting to engage with am I going to do something about this and you'll probably be familiar with that process through other changes that you've wanted to make in your life perhaps not in the context of an addictive behavior but a change that you've been wanting to make where you know you're wanting to drop a habit or you're wanting to improve something in your life we usually go through a period of time of thinking about that thing before we take any action and so sometimes it's really unrealistic to expect that a person who's experiencing addiction is uh, suddenly going to find themselves in a place of doing something about the issue as a result of the conversation that you have. And that's really, really hard thing to get your head around. But um, the more you can understand the nature of the issue that you're experiencing, the better. And in the process of your reading and understanding, you might be gathering resources. You might be finding out, oh, there's a really great podcast about that addiction over here. Um, that's, uh, you know, something I think you'd relate well to or hear are a couple of really great books on this topic. Um, or, you know, here are some great online resources or tools or apps or whatever that looks like. But do a little bit of homework into the resources and the things that might help um, the person that you love in facing this. The other thing to understand about change is that there are a variety of different factors that have to sort of all come together at the same point in time for a person to experience change. And one of the crucial ones is that they have to be in enough pain to want to change. Um, That essentially the pain of uh, staying the same uh, becomes greater than the pain of changing. There's like this seesaw that tips where they realize that what they're doing is in fact um, in fact it's easier to change than it is to keep up what they're doing. What they're doing is causing so much pain. And that pain factor has to come together at the same time with the love and support that they need to make that change, with the how-tos, the tools, the strategies, the, the kind of roadmap, um, the support around what 
it is that needs to happen like practically how do they recover from this what is it that they need to do and change and how are they going to manage this issue in their lives and there is also an important factor of people feeling hopeful about an issue and seeing that actually other people have walked this road before them that um, this is something that they can recover from this is something that other people have navigated successfully before them which again is where those resources and hearing other people's stories um, can become a really significant part of how people find change um, in the context of of an addiction. The other thing I think is really important to understand again here we're like even this is understanding before we're getting to the place of having a conversation something that's really important to understand is that uh, anyone who's experiencing an addiction they are doing that thing to try and regulate their emotions so they are reaching for that whatever that is shopping Um, drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, uh, whatever that is, whatever the thing is that that, um, is their kind of addiction of choice, um, it's kind of irrelevant in that it is a tool for them to emotionally regulate. And at least in the beginning, it was something that they were doing in response to a difficult feeling that they wanted to go away. Now the human kind of element of this is that we all have difficult feelings and we all do emotion regulation and it's like really lucky for the people that reach for exercise uh, as um, their emotion regulation strategy of choice or some kind of healthy thing that they do, cleaning, um, organizing, whatever it is, it's really great for them if the thing that they look to is um, healthy and perceived well and doesn't cause more damage and harm in their lives, they just get the emotion regulation out of it and no sort of negative consequences. But the reality is that for people who are experiencing addiction, they're just doing the same thing, except the thing that they're reaching for is causing harm and pain in their lives. And so what we're really kind of wanting to consider there is um, being compassionate towards them about this is your way of trying to manage something that is difficult and um, you know, trying to show them understanding around that's really important. And bringing that into the conversation and thinking about what are the needs that are actually being met through this addiction. Tell me about when this, uh, when this started in your world. What was going on? What were you feeling? Are you aware of that? Or do you need some help working that out? Um, and essentially what they have to do as part of their recovery is work out other ways to meet those needs. Other ways to respond in ways of doing that emotion regulation that they're looking for that are actually going to help them and not further harm them. But there is this really difficult point to get through where it feels like that thing, the addictive behavior that they're reaching for, is the only thing that is going to pop the bubble of that emotion, the only thing that is going to make them feel better, and that's the loop and the cycle they've got into, which is really devastating and really, really hard to break. Almost always people need some professional support in recovering from addiction and so one of the things that you need to explore with this person is what role do they want you to play in responding to um, this, this problem, this issue? How is it that you can best 
help and support them. It might be that you're not the person they want to talk to, um, but one of the things that is quite important is to be relatively firm about this is something I think you need to talk to someone about. Who are you going to choose? Uh, I'm really happy if that's me, except uh, I, um, I want you to know that what's more important is that you choose someone that you're comfortable with. So if you're the person that's raising the conversation, you're not necessarily the right person to be journeying through this with them. And it's important that uh, they are empowered, that they are kept in a position of control on this issue, and that they can choose who it is that they want to step this through with. The other factor is a lot of counsellors are trained in really helping people to speed up some of those processes around thinking about where this issue um, ends up and what has led them to this place. And they, the, one of the first things I often say to people who come to me for counselling around addiction is, I'm not yet going to ask you to stop doing the thing. Essentially, my role is to put um, enough scaffolding, support, other tools and strategies around you and in place first before we look at stopping or dropping back this thing. And do you know what? There is such a relief from people when they find that response. Um, you're doing this thing because it's helping you survive and it's helping you in some way and I get it and I'm not going to ask you to walk out of here and stop that thing and just tough it or muscle your way through um, this issue. You cannot expect this person to give this up until they have the support that they need, until they have the insights that they need. Um, there are sometimes some boundaries that you need to have if this is affecting children in your life, if this is you know, detrimentally affecting your finances or um, having a serious impact on other people, um, you uh, have a right to be more, uh, much firmer around what it is that you really need them to do in terms of the next steps and saying, you know, you have to do something, you can choose what the something is, but um, this, uh, this really needs to be progressed in some way. Think as well too about what it is that you would appreciate if someone was raising something really sensitive with you. You know, you probably don't want that conversation to happen at a time that you're tired or that there are other people around or um, in a moment of kind of crisis or stress. Um, and so think about what sort of environment is going to be most conducive to that conversation. Um, and sometimes something that's really helpful for people is to have a heads up that the conversation is coming. So, hey, um, I'm wanting us to make some space to talk about something. I'm expecting it to be, um, you know, a conversation that's a bit sensitive and I'm wondering what's going to be the best time um, for us to have that chat and, you know, what would you like in terms of who's there or where that happens or anything that is empowering for them along the way is really going to help. I love the concept in Maoridom about uh, being mana enhancing. Um, so for anyone who's listening outside of New Zealand, um, that's, you know, the concept of mana is about a person's individual dignity and what we want to do in raising something that is potentially shameful or embarrassing for a person is to do that in a way that enhances their mana and that actually doesn't trample on that and keeps them feeling um, their sense of dignity and value as a person. And uh, if you can think about that as a guiding principle through how you have this conversation, that's really important. A beautiful question to ask people is help me understand. Help me understand what's happening for you here. Help me understand what this is like for you. 
Help me understand what you're experiencing of this. Help me understand what you're thinking about this. Help me understand how this currently feels for you. Um, It's really helpful as a phrase because it positions us away from interrogating a person or um, sort of demanding answers or coming in and doing some sort of lecture towards actually like, I really want to understand this thing. Uh, What can you tell me about? what this is like for you, Uh, what is it that you think I need to know about this. Something that's often important if you're a family member or a friend who's raising something difficult is remembering the power of courageous conversations that ultimately our relationships get better where there is vulnerability and um, I think it was Brene Brown who coined that term courageous conversations but essentially Uh, We need to have those conversations with the people that we love and usually our relationships benefit uh, because of those conversations. So holding that in mind might be something that's comforting for you through this. The other thing to consider is what personal support you need in terms of knowing that uh, there is someone who's supporting you in raising this and navigating this with the person concerned um, and you know being able to know that you've got support too because this is a difficult this is a difficult role to play in bringing something up and basically standing between someone and the thing that at some level is helping them. So I'm thinking of you. I hope that there is some helpful guidance in that. Um, and I you know, really encourage you to go ahead and have this conversation, to prepare well for it, to uh, grow in your own understanding around these issues, to go armed with resources, to think about where you steer the person, how you empower them through this conversation, and how ultimately you seek to understand what it is that is going on for them. So all the best as you embark on this very courageous conversation. The next question is, how do I start navigating out of burnout? I'm in the midst of it and I can't see a way forward. I love this question and I love talking about the topic of burnout because actually it's really common and not particularly well understood. And uh, often people are in this place similar to what you're expressing in your question of kind of going, oh my lord help me work out what is the plan uh what am i going to what what on earth am i going to do here what does this look like what's the roadmap someone tell me the things that i need to know uh and i think a really helpful thing and i'm just going to start here you may already have this knowledge but i'm just going to start back from the perspective of what is burnout and how do people end up in this situation so essentially how i conceptualize burnout is that you've ended up in a place of extreme exhaustion. It is not the same as being tired. It's not the same as needing a holiday and some good sleep-ins and some nourishing food and some social contact and she'll be right, you'll be okay and good to go again. Um, burnout is like a weariness uh, that can often you know, affect us at a really deep level. It can be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, can impact us really holistically and takes time to recover from. One of the things that has often happened to create burnout is people have been uh, doing things that they no longer have full ownership over. So they've been overdoing it, they've been um, giving their yes to things that actually they uh, no longer you know, fully feel they want to be doing. So they've been spending energy, they've been spending more energy than they have coming in. If you can think about 
burnout uh, with the analogy of a bank account, that is one of the most helpful things that you can do. So if we consider you have gotten into deficit because you have spent more than you had coming in, you've spent more than you had income, um, and that's kind of thinking about our energy levels. You've spent more energy than you had energy coming in, and where you keep on spending basically tomorrow's energy, uh, you end up in this place of deficit and the useful thing about thinking in that, in, within that concept is that the way out of burnout is paying ourselves back for the overspend of our energy. So if you are in deficit, the way that you get out of it is paying back what you owe to yourself. Now that doesn't look like doing average, normal uh, things that possibly should have always been in place to look after yourself that more likely looks like doing extravagant things to look after yourself, um, being indulgent with yourself and paying back the energy that you have lost. That might mean um, a period of time off commitments. That might mean explaining to friends and family that you might be someone who bails on plans because you need to stay in tune with how you're feeling and what it is that you need. That might be that uh, you allow yourself a period of time of really reduced expectations um, that you might pull back from certain commitments, whatever that needs to look like. That there might be lots of naps. There might be, uh, you know, a, a time of kind of taking things off your plate and giving things to other people. Uh, I know that in that process there are usually some constraints. Uh, not everyone has, you know, a personal chef and a cleaner and uh, can quit their job. That there are, um, there is a reality there of uh, often we have to get creative and thinking about how is it that we're going to really pay ourselves back for this energy that we have lost. Um, but the, uh, the truth there, I think, is that there are options for everyone and there is always something that you can do that you find nourishing and restorative and that will help you in that climb out of burnout but over overspending coming to a place of deficit uh, one of the things that I have talked about with a number of counseling colleagues over the years is the mm, the pattern that we see that people need to settle in to their burnout recovery because essentially if the burnout took you two years to get into, if you spent two years overspending your energy, you need to think about your recovery period taking about half as long as a general rule of thumb, taking about half as long as it took you to get into this burnout. So if it took two years, you need to allow yourself a year. Uh, and there can be something when people first hear that where they're like, oh, really? Like, I need to get going again. And um, are you telling me there's no way to fast track this? Well, actually, yeah, I am telling you that. And one of the most beautiful things that you can do is relax into this process and enjoy the fact that you are going to have a period of time of nourishing yourself and caring for yourself and learning to listen to yourself well, um, that those things are going to be part of what your recovery looks like and learning to enjoy and appreciate those things and adopt this position of um, of learning, of being gracious to yourself, of having you know values that are important to you through this time is something that can redefine what that recovery process looks like. Um, so that kind of sense of having getting a, 
vision for your recovery, having a plan of what it is practically that you're going to do, what supports you might need is important. The other thing is at some point you're going to rejoin the world um, and one of the things that we have to consider is what led you to this place. A key point is what is it, where is it that that there were holes in the bucket that were, that your energy was leaking, where your energy was draining from you. And that might have been from, uh, you know, difficult interpersonal situations. That might be from being in a job that you don't ultimately like. That might be from um, your house being in a mess. That might be from overwhelm. That might be from lack of support, whatever it is. What is it that has led you to this situation? And what are the uh, the fears that are behind why you ended up in this space. So if I can give you some examples there. For for example, if you are someone who cannot tolerate and really fears disappointing other people, of course that is going to be a really key reason why you can't say no to things. That one's kind of one of the most obvious ones to understand. But it can also be that, uh, you know, a person fears failure or feeling not good enough or not feeling included or feeling unheard or feeling worthless or whatever it is. There is usually something going on in terms of the feelings that you are running from um, or feeling unsafe, having had um, a kind of trauma response invoked and, and being in that kind of traumatized overdrive state can also be part of what's going on and what is draining people's energy, what's draining their batteries uh, so quickly and we need to address those things. Where is the energy leaking? Why are your batteries being drained so quickly and how do we address that? How do we actually properly plug those holes? And so that is something that I you know, start to work with people around kind of two or three sessions into sort of a burnout recovery plan of what is it actually, where have you been leaking your energy? And a really key thing there is that why would you recover from burnout if you know you're just going to do this to yourself again? You need to restore your own trust in yourself. And often people having experienced burnout feel really doubtful about themselves, feel really hesitant engaging with the big bad world around them because the big bad world has burnt them and left them feeling burnt out. Um, and that, that is something that we really need to be mindful of in these processes that... Um, we need to restore your sense of trust in yourself. We need to get you to a place where you know you're not just going to get back on this hamster wheel and recreate these issues for yourself and find yourself back at square one of having to recover from burnout again. So uh, looking at what it is that has led to this, the needs within yourself that you've denied, the fears that have been dr driving your behavior, your responses, what you've taken on, how you've structured your life, um, you know, addressing those fears is really important in the burnout recovery. But my little outline there, thinking about being extravagant in your care for yourself. Um, oh, I would just add in there, thinking about the place of relaxation in your recovery, low stimulus environments, reduced expectations, taking things off your plate, basically how to kind of stop um, uh, the, the energy deficit from happening, slowing that down in this period of recovery so that you can really pay yourself back is so important. Resting into it, looking at the opportunities in this time, 
realizing that you're going to be settling in for a period of time while you do this paying yourself back piece and learning what you need to learn around how did you get into this situation in the first place. Um, Burnout's part of my own story, something I experienced actually in my early 20s. Do you know, my part of my answer was I ran away to a convent, uh, which was a bit of a hoot, and I spent three weeks in silence, which is something that most people will find very hootish, <laughs> because it's almost absurd for me to have um, had that period of time in silence, but I went to a beautiful community um, and had this most incredible experience of being put back together, of slowing down to a stop and uh, really having some deeply restorative time out. That was just the beginning of the burnout recovery, um, but was an important kind of opportunity to reset and just get myself um, to a place of, to, to a starting line that I could begin from again, really, um, in the other things that I needed to address. So I fully get what this burnout process is like, and uh, many people have walked this road before you. Just really want to encourage you that you will find for yourself a better way of living and uh, something that works for you going forward that is much more sustainable and no one no one deserves this feeling that you find yourself in the world is not meant to do this to people we're not meant to do this to ourselves uh, and there is another way and you will find it and you deserve lots of help and support and love in that process um, uh, from others and from yourself so I hope that that encourages you as you consider what you're going to do next in this journey. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love to connect. So feel free to find me on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see when the next podcast episode is out. See you next time.